fast or fasting, what comes to mind? Food, right? I mean, that's what we think about. You're thinking about it right now. You know, in about an hour or so, you're going to have lunch. I'm not going to preach that long, don't worry. But uh, I, I remember when I was in the eighth grade was the first time that I heard about fasting and experienced it in my own life. I was a student in my dad's church, and it was the National Day of Prayer, and he challenged us to spend that day fasting. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I think I'll give it a try. And I went to Central Junior High there uh, in Texas, and I remember sitting at, at the table. Now, where I, I went to school, I had about 750 kids in my class. So it was no small thing that everybody was in the cafeteria eating and it was packed out. And I'm the only one sitting there not eating. They're all looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And I don't remember a lot now about that experience, but I remember the challenge. I remember not eating. But I remember there was a sense of satisfaction afterward that, hey, I did that. And it really helped me understand later in life the value and importance of fasting and we're going to talk about that today, uh, and you'll understand why in just a few moments. But why is it that we should fast? Fasting is one of the disciplines of our faith, like praying or giving or going to church, reading your Bible, um, witnessing to others. All those disciplines are very important in the life of a believer, and this is one of them, is fasting. It's hard, it's hard to do. It's probably one of the harder disciplines to do because we, we enjoy food. And uh, we, we value that for many different reasons, and we need it. But the Bible is very clear that fasting is to be something that happens regularly in our lives. And the bottom line of fasting is this, that you're trying to create space for God to speak to you and then also to be obedient to what he leads you to do. And uh, so I want to share some principles about fasting and that I think you'll appreciate and begin to put in your life, but for a specific reason. There's a reason why I'm preaching this message today uh, for, for you that I believe God has led me to share. Well, the first principle is this, is that fasting is for every believer. It's for every single believer. Everybody in this room, God desires for you to fast. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at several chapters, chapter 6 and then a few other chapters of, of Matthew where Jesus speaks about fasting. And uh, there's quite a bit of information about it in just these few verses that I will read for you this morning. Let's begin in Matthew 6, verse 16. This is the, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says this. Whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, several things that Jesus says here. First of all, Jesus assumed we would fast. As I mentioned last Sunday in this chapter, Matthew 6, that he says when you fast, not if you fast, but when you do. In the Jewish a religion fasting was part of their regular practice of faith and so Jesus is speaking to Jews uh, these Jews are going to become followers of Christ and so he's giving instruction about 
when you fast. Now he says when you fast, you're to look normal. In that day and time, they would change their appearance to draw attention to themselves so everybody would know that they are fasting. Jesus says you need to look normal. He says wash your face, you know, wash your hair, look normal, and, and don't draw attention to yourself. It should be genuine, it should be sincere, not like the hypocrites, the word that Jesus uses there. He also says that fasting should be done in private. Now, in the New Testament, we find, uh, Old Testament, excuse me, that there was what was called a solemn assembly. And there were several times in Israel's history that uh, the kings or the prophets would call the children of Israel to a time of prayer and fasting. And there were different reasons why they would do that. So he would call them corporately together. Now, they would fast privately. But, but they didn't talk about it, and they didn't talk about those who were not Jews. They didn't tell them why they were fasting. Now, I'm going to call our church to fast over a period of time. And the point here is that we don't want to be telling unbelievers, that we, those who are not followers of Christ, that, that we're fasting. We try to avoid that if possible. You may, in certain situations, somebody who may have some level of understanding uh, about, about why you're fasting, but on, 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 the, on the most part, we're trying to do this where it's just between us and the Lord, what we're fasting about and, why, and how we are fasting. And we don't want to be legalistic about it when we fast. There may be a certain situation during this time of fasting that you need to eat because of who you're with. It just would be inappropriate. It wouldn't be really good to uh, not eat in that setting. Well, the Lord understands that and uh, and, and, and you can move on. Don't beat yourself up about that if you have to break the fast in a certain way at a certain time. But here Jesus says that a person will be blessed who fasts and they do it the right way. That you'll be rewarded if you're spending time fasting. I don't know about you, but I want God to reward me. I want God to bless me. And this is one of the ways that God will bless the believer is by fasting. And there's a closeness to God that you can only experience through fasting. Uh, it, it's a different dynamic than just praying or just attending church or just reading your Bible. It moves you in a different spiritual atmosphere when you fast. And the whole purpose of fasting is to draw you close to God, is to really get intimate with Him because what you're saying to God when you fast, as we'll see later, is that this is something you're serious about. Now, everything we pray about is serious, but we'll see that, as Jesus said, there are times that the only way this may change in your life, this situation, is by fasting. Fasting is not a heavenly slot machine where I, I fast and I put in my, my coins and, and then I pull it and I say, okay, God, I'm ready for you to come through. Just because you fast doesn't mean it's going to go your way. But God is going to work in your life through fasting so that you can experience spiritual power. That's the point of the message today. So that's the primary for purpose. And how you fast and, 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 uh, and the way in which you do that, when you do it, is going to determine the level of spiritual power that you experience. So Jesus' point here is that every believer should fast. So as I'm calling the church to fast... That's I'll explain in a few moments. That means every one of us in this room, I'm asking you as a follower of Christ to spend time fasting, which I'll explain in more detail. Secondly, 
Fasting should be constantly practiced. Constantly practiced. And this is a really good insight into Matthew chapter 9. Just go to the next page or so and go to chapter 9. And here you're going to find the words of Christ. Here he says in verse 14, Matthew writes, Then John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The days will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth, because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the, skin, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved." Now here Jesus begins by talking about uh, 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 the joy that a person ought to have when Jesus is with them. It's like a wedding. It's a time of celebration. And so there should be an excitement about the idea of having a relationship with him. He then makes a comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant being that of the law and the new covenant that of being grace. Things were going to change with the new covenant. And he uses two illustrations. One is putting a new patch of cloth on an old patch of cloth. And when it's washed, the new patch will shrink against the old cloth and it will tear it and rip it apart. Then he uses the illustration of using an old wineskin, putting new wine into an old wineskin. And when that happens, the gases of the new wine expands the old skin and when that does it tears that wine skin and it bursts so the wine is ruined as well as the wine skin itself and Jesus is saying that John the Baptist those guys were trying to repair an old religion and he says you're trying to use a new patch on an old garment but he said I'm going to do something completely different it's going to be new it's not going to be repairing something that is old. It's going to be completely new, and it's that of grace. Jesus said there was going to be that break from the old, and it's something that has already been created. Of course, it's in him. So he initiates, inaugurates this new garment, this new wineskin called grace that is revealed through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the point here is that we must constantly put ourselves in position to receive the new wineskins that God has for us as he wants to expand our spiritual life. He wants us to grow and mature in our spiritual life. And he wants us to position ourselves and prepare ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can reveal the new things that God wants us to know and apply in our Christian life. So that's why we fast, we position ourselves it prepares you to receive that new wineskin that the Holy Spirit is going to give you as you grow in your spiritual life. Now notice third, fasting cleanses the soul. 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says we should wash ourselves clean from every impurity of the flesh and spirit. He's not talking about an external washing. It's an internal washing. Making our sanctification complete in the fear of God. In Matthew 22, as we read last week, 
Here the, the lawyer says to Jesus, quoting the Old Testament, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Now how does that happen? How are we renewed in the inner person day by day? Well, one of the ways that that happens is through fasting. Fasting gets the junk out of our lives. It has a, a physical benefit of getting the physical junk out of our lives. But far more importantly is that fasting gets the, 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 uh, the junk, spiritual junk out of our lives. That which is emotional, it could be physical, it could be mental, but spiritual as well. And that means that the distractions and the noise of life keep us from hearing God. It creates a spiritual fog. Life has a way of stacking the pressure and the pain of life, which causes us to, to the, that we don't hear God. His voice is muffled, and we can't clearly hear what is it that he's saying, what is it that he wants me to do. So we become desensitized to the things of God. We become, our emotions begin to become desensitized to God. That voice is muffled, and we lose our passion for him. So fasting helps cleanse the soul. Notice also, fasting creates a chain reaction. That is, it begins with agreement, then it moves to alignment, and then to assignment. When we are in agreement with God, that means we're aligned with His will, and then we're able to walk in the assignment that God has for us. That chain reaction creates spiritual momentum, spiritual power. It's, and fasting is the key to causing that to happen. That's the catalyst. Now, this pattern is found in the Lord's Prayer. As we see in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he begins with agreement. We start by focusing on the goodness, the greatness, and the glory of God. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Then we agree when he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We agree that you are holy. Now help us to align our will to your will. We want your kingdom here. We want your will to be done. Not just on the earth, but in us. And that's what Jesus said, because the disciples were confused about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Within you. So, that's how we are agreeing, and that's how we align with Him. And we cannot begin to see the kingdom of God until we're aligned with His Lordship. That means a total surrender of our will to His that is sustained through prayer and fasting, constantly. As Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not about my will, it's not about my way, but about His. Agreement begins, then, with surrendering your will to the will of God. And fasting facilitates that surrender. Remember Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Can you be in full agreement with God's will if you're not giving, if you're not praying? Of course not. And you're not going to be in agreement with God's will, aligned with His will, if you're not fasting. Now, that leads to alignment. 
The kingdom of God is wherever the rule and the reign of Christ are established. We must allow him to align us with his will as it is in heaven. Agreement with God puts you in a place where you say, Lord, I agree with you. I want to do your will. That's where we've got to get to if we're going to find spiritual power in our lives. I want, I want to be lined up with your will. Alignment by God is the place where he begins to put the things in order in your life that are out of order. And, and, and look, the question is this. Do I really know that everything in my life is in accordance to the will of God? Are all my priorities are they, as they should be? My values, is it all lining up with God's will? But when I fast, then I'm allowing God permission to realign those things in my life. So that all that I'm doing is according to his will. Because that's where the blessing is. That's where the power is in our lives. Now, let me give you an example of this in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, we find a great passage of scripture. This is a very good point that the Lord makes. Verse 14, when they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and rebellious generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. I can imagine the Lord says that about all of us, doesn't he? Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them. For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will, let this mountain, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, when you walk up to a mountain and you pray and ask the mountain to be moved and it doesn't move, that doesn't mean it's a sign of little faith. He's speaking metaphorically that the big issues of our life, God's big enough to handle. And if you have faith so that your alignment, you're aligned with, will, with, with his will, then, then he has the capacity, he has the ability, he has the power to do what only he can do in a person's life. And so he's illustrating that about their faith. Why could the disciples not cast out the demon? It was because of their unbelief. Why do we not see the power of God in our lives? It's because of unbelief. We don't really believe that he can do it. Jesus said, you unbelieving and rebellious generation. Unbelieving meant that they were too disconnected from God. The word rebellious meant that they were too connected to the world. So prayer is able to connect you to God and fasting is able to disconnect you from the world. Does that make sense? So that's why it's so important. We're only getting half of the benefit. We're only praying so that we can try to get close to God. But fasting is for us to get away from those things that are not of God. So we need the balance in our spiritual life. Now look, I don't do this perfectly. I need to fast more. And the Lord really impressed that on me about this point. Because the point here that Jesus is making is, is that, yeah, you're used to praying and fasting when there's an issue. But you're not ready spiritually when the challenges come. 
He said, you need to be praying and fasting before anything ever happens. You need to be in the position so that when the issue comes, you're ready to deal with it. So there are times that we come to him praying and fasting about a certain issue, which for us I'll talk about in a moment. But Jesus is making a very important point here, and this is why it's, it's, it's important that we pray and fast more than we are. And this was what convicted me personally, is that I often go to him and fast when I have an issue I'm praying about. Look, i got several things right now that I, I need God to show up in a big way that I'm praying about, and for, uh, particularly for my family, and the things that are going on here in the life of our church. But the Lord has helped me understand in a deeper way as I was preparing this message that I need to be fasting when there's no issue. I, I need to be fasting so that I'm ready when the issue comes. When, when the enemy comes. See, the enemy was in this boy's life. They didn't know how to deal with it. And that's why Jesus said there are some things that can only happen not just by praying but by fasting as well. So that's the point that he's trying to make, us, make here. So, when greater alignment comes, faith increases, unbelief diminishes, and the rule and reign of Christ is carried out in our lives. That prepares us to walk in our assignment. So, when you're in agreement and alignment with God, you find that He can use you in ways that you never thought possible. Now, what assignment has God given you? Do you even know that you have an assignment from God? What assignment has God given our church? See, we need to be asking, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And God can help us. We find individuals were praying and fasting when they received their assignment by God. In Acts chapter 13, Paul and Silas are fasting among with others, and then they receive their assignment. Cornelius is praying and fasting, and God uses that to help him know that your assignment is to get Peter to your house. And so he has his guys go and get Peter and bring them there. Jesus also was one who experienced this. In Luke chapter 4, we find that he's been baptized by John the Baptist, and the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted. But after that prayer, time of prayer and fasting for 40 days, then he uh, was led by the Spirit in power. Now, what happened? He got his assignment, he began his three year public ministry. No public ministry for 30 years. But after a time of prayer and fasting, then he was ready to go and, uh, and accomplish the assignment that God had given him. He begins that assignment. Now, in Luke 4, we find him going and he's doing miracles with the crowds. And then this in verse 42. When it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. Now here it is, it's critical. When it comes to pursuing God's assignment, this is why we need to get alone and hear the voice of God. Otherwise, we're going to hear the voice of the crowd. And we're not going to be able to truly know what God's assignment is for us. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, through other people. But when it gets down to the bottom line, only God can tell you what is your assignment. That's why you need to be positioned to hear the voice of God. Other people may mean well, but they're not God. 
And you've got to get along with God and have confidence that this is what God has said to me. This is what I must do. So we hear from him. That's why it's important. What am I to do? Only he can tell you. That's why Jesus had great power. He stayed focused on the assignment that God had given him. So agreement, alignment, and then assignment. That's the chain reaction so that we can experience spiritual power in our lives. So let's summarize for just a moment. Fasting is for every believer, every one of us. Fasting should be constantly practiced. Fasting, as we just saw in this example with the the demoniac boy. Then fasting cleanses the soul. And fasting creates a chain reaction of spiritual momentum. Now, why are you preaching on this, Pastor? I'm calling our church to a season of fasting. I'm going to ask you to fast at least one day a week. And you can choose how you do that. It may mean I miss one meal. It may mean that I miss all the meals uh, in a 24-hour period. Uh, I I may uh, fast from certain foods. I may fast from all foods except for water, uh, whatever else that is. But I'm going to ask you to begin this week. Fast one day a week between now and the first Sunday of March. And the reason that is that there is a specific assignment that is the same for all of us. Now, in our spiritual lives, God has different assignments for us in different seasons of our lives. But I'm calling us to, to, uh, to pray for one thing. And that assignment is this. Lord, what is it that you want me and my family and or my family to give to our capital expansion over the next three years? Now, the first Sunday of March will be our commitment Sunday. But between now and then, I'm asking you to begin praying and fasting, creating space for God to speak to you because the specific amount is unique to you. See, it's, it, it, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And so only you will know from God what it is that he wants you to do and that you can have confidence that this is what I know that he wants us to give over the next three years. And this is why we're calling all of this generations. What I'm doing these first uh, days of January is I'm trying to position us spiritually to hear from God. So that in the weeks to come, during the month of February, you're really going to focus in on what is it, Lord, that you want to do. Now, we're going to give you more information. We have printed material that we're going to give to you in the next few weeks Uh, We're going to answer a lot of questions about what this is all about. But we've already presented to you what the expansion is. And uh, we've been doing our due diligence, getting us ready from a physical standpoint. Knowing the numbers and the money and all the rest. But the most important thing is that we have to get ready spiritually. And I'm very excited because I know what's going to happen. I know that as you begin to fast and pray and seek God... Not only is he going to reveal the number to you, but there are other issues that are going on in your life that through prayer and fasting, God's going to speak to you about those issues. Now, if you're like me, I I got a list of things where I need God to show up, where I need to hear from God. I need his wisdom. I need his insight. And that's true for all of us, right? So every person in this room I'm asking you to fast. Well, pastor, I can't fast because of medical reasons. Well, you can fast from other things. 
You can fast from digital devices one day a week in some form or fashion. I know that'll be hard, much harder than fasting from food, but you can do it. Uh, maybe it's fasting from TV for the day or something that occupies your time. You're going to give to God and as best as possible use that time to pray. Now, that doesn't mean that when you're fasting and maybe you go uh, to, to a, a lunch with a group of people or you, you typically may eat lunch in your office and you've got windows in your office, you're not just sitting there praying in front of everybody, drawing attention to yourself, but you're in an attitude of prayer. Now, I would encourage you, if at all possible, to get alone during that time and pray. That's what I try to do. And it's easier for me than maybe than you. But, but try to, look, the whole point is this. Even if you can't pray during that moment that you're not eating, God sees your heart. And you're saying to God, I'm very serious about this. I want to hear from you. I want to, I, I want to know that my will is aligned with your will so that I can experience the blessing. And the blessing is not just getting the number, but then over the next three years watching God help you fulfill that commitment. I'm telling you, over the years, every church I've been in, from the very first church I pastored with 50 people in Burnable, Oklahoma, we went into a building expansion. It's a great story of what happened. Can I tell you just real quick what happened? I led a man to Christ, Joe Adams, and uh, he was in his 70s. Joe, bless his heart, I walked in and he said, you're the first preacher I ever saw with boots on. And I thought, well, okay, you know, and I sat down, and he had a spittoon chewing tobacco next to his chair. About every third hit, he'd hit it. You know, the rest of it was everywhere else. Had to shine my boots when I went home. And he, uh, uh, I, I, he said, I, I, I'm not going to become a Christian because of all those hypocrites down at the church. The interpreted means that he was a rancher, and there was a guy in the church that did him a bad deal with a herd, part of the herd of the cattle. And I said, Joe, I said, when you get to heaven, God isn't going to ask you about all those hypocrites down at the church because we're all hypocrites. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? That's the question he's going to ask you. And there that day, he got on his knees and he asked Christ into his heart. A week later, I went to his daughter's house. And, uh, and I met with their grandson, Ben, nine years old. They said he was asking questions. I led Ben to Christ. First two people I baptized were Joe and Ben. And about a month later, uh, Joe came to me. And he said, Preacher, he said, I think God's put something on my heart. And I said, well, what is it? He said, I think God... Uh, God wants us to brick the parsonage. Now, the brick, the parsonage sat on blocks. This is rural Oklahoma. Every year about this time, I would show up on Saturday morning, sometimes Friday night, and I'd call Danny Bone, and he would come, and he would repair all the PVC pipes that had frozen up the, you know, the night before. That was the ritual every weekend when it was in the winter. And, and so, you know, he was trying to do a good thing, and I said, Joe, I said, I want you to pray about something. I said, I appreciate your heart, but our real need right now is not a parsonage that needs to be bricked, but we need a, a fellowship hall, and we need a few classrooms. I told you before, the last two rows 
in the worship center, that was the nursery. That's where all the kids uh, played. That's where the kids were nursed, changed the diapers, balls flying in the air, all the rest. I learned to preach through it. And, uh, and I said, we need some classrooms in this fellowship hall. And he said, all right, I'll pray about it. And that was the seed money. We went to the church. And my very first time to uh, experience God in this way. They raised the money. They built it after I left. And then every church since then, I've been somehow, some way, God has put us in a position where we've had to go seek him about what to do. Now we've prayed hard about all of this and we believe that, that, that we're aligned with God's will about what we should do. But now it's your turn. To really, really pray and seek God. And fasting, I believe, is a real key to bringing clarity to what it is that God wants to do in your life. So, I want you to experience God's power. I don't want you to come and have a feel-good at church. I want you to really know Him and experience Him. And that can happen. So that's why I want every person in this room to fast in some way between now and the first Sunday of March when we come and bring our commitments to the Lord and to say this is what we're going to give over the next three years. Now we're going to talk more about this and I'm going to help you understand some other spiritual principles that will help you, not just in this area, but the other things in your life where you need clarity, where you need God to help you. And I believe that, that many things, many good things are going to happen in this spiritual journey over the next three years. And I don't want you to miss out on it. With that, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. There might be somebody here today who would say, Pastor, I need to get close to God because I don't know Him. And you have a desire today to know God and to experience Him in your life and to have assurance that you're going to spend eternity with him. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment to come to one of our pastors who will help you connect with the Lord and to begin a journey of faith with him. And it all begins by understanding that because God is holy and we have sinned against him, he cannot allow sin into heaven. And we can't have a relationship with him today. But out of his great love and mercy for us, he sent his son, Christ, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And now you can have a relationship with him today and for all of eternity. But it means that you're surrendering your will to his. You're not just letting him be your savior, but the Lord of your life. Jesus said, follow me. And so... That's the commitment I'm asking you to make today. In just a moment when we sing this next song, I'm going to ask you to come to one of these pastors who will help you. And many in this room, you need to know what God is saying to you about your commitment to generations. But you've got other stuff going on right now, and you need to hear from God. God cares about that issue, whatever it is. And God already knows what the answer is for you. He's waiting you to position yourself to hear from Him. And so ask Him now 
Lord, help me to hear you as I enter into this time of prayer and fasting. I'm serious about this, Lord. I need to know your will about these things and maybe several things. And I need to experience your power and your wisdom. And the Lord will be faithful. He'll bless you. He will help you through this season of your life. There might be those that you've heard today a little bit of what's happening. You've been here a while. And God is saying, this is your church home. This is where you need to be. And so we invite you to come today and make Linwood your church home. And join us in the assignment that he has given us. Not just to build a building, but what's, what that means and represents it means that more people are able to hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, to grow in their faith here and all around the world. And you can be a part of that. There might be others that you just need to come and pray. You've got a burden on your heart. You need time alone with God at the altar. Or maybe you want us to pray for you. You come and let us know. Father, I thank you for the fact that you, you love us, you care about us, and the details of our lives, and that you provide wisdom, you provide clarity, you give us light in darkness, you, you empower us to move forward in our lives, to take the next step of faith and obedience when we don't want to, when we don't have the energy to do so. Thank you that Christ lives in us, that his power is within us. And Lord, help us to walk in that light and in that power. Help these who need to make commitments now as they take their step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.